Hello, and welcome to the J and M podcast. My name is Jeanette. And I'm Miro. And today we're going to be talking about the 2018 dark comedy slash drama film, Sorry to Bother You, is written and directed by Boots Riley. And for Boots, this is his first directorial work. Yeah, uh, giving you guys a quick rundown of the cast, uh, we have Lakeith Stanfield in the uh, role of Cassius Cash Green. In this movie, actually, before I go forward, the characters are going to have a like a black character with a white voice that they do in the movie. For Cash, his white voice is David Cross. And then we have Tessa Thompson, uh, who's playing Detroit. Her white voice is Lily James. Uh, then we have Jermaine Fowler, who plays Salvador in the movie. We have Omari Hardwick. Omari Hardwick is actually white voiced by Patton Oswald. I didn't know until right before we started this podcast. Yeah, and then um, for Omari, he plays the the character that just has Mr. And then yeah. it's a blink. Yeah. Or like a beep. Yeah, they call him Mr. Beep. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Uh, then we have Terry Crews, who plays Sergio Green, uh, Cassius's uncle. Danny Glover uh, playing Langston. We have Steven Yeun uh, playing Squeeze. Uh, you might know Dan- Danny. Uh, sorry, you might know Steven uh, Yoon from uh, Walking Dead. Then we have Army Hammer, who plays uh, Steve Lift, who's kind of like the white guy of the movie, like the well, white owner guy. Yeah, he's like the CEO of Worry Free. Yeah. Uh, and we have Kate Berlant, who plays Diana Debauchery. Actually, it's pronounced Debuchery. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. There was a scene where, when she's being introduced, she's like, My name is Diana Debuchery. And oh. then Salvador says, like, Wait, is this Debauchery? It kind of looks like yeah. Debauchery. It's like, No, it's Debuchery. Oh, uh, okay. So that's gotcha. the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we took most of our information about the movie from IMDb, Wikipedia, The Guardian, and The Ringer. So the backstory of the film is Boots Riley is a rapper, producer, screenwriter, director, and activist from Chicago. Uh, he mostly worked on his music career since 1991. I believe he works on a band called The Coop. Uh-huh. And this is, again, his first film he ever directed and also ever written. Mm -hmm. Uh, Earlier this month, it was announced he will be creating a new TV series called I'm a Virgo. Uh And Boots Riley has described the film as an absurdist dark comedy with aspects of magical realism and science fiction inspired by the world of telemarketing. And this is also inspired by his experience working as a telemarketer Mm -hmm. and a telefundraiser in California. Basically, in order for him to succeed in those roles, he had to put on a white voice. Uh Which Um, is kind of like a running uh, gag in the movie where all the black people that work in the telemarketing department or in this company that sells stuff, they, in order to be successful, they have to put on a white voice. Yeah. Uh, so when Boots Riley wrote the script, he finished in 2012, and he had no inspiration of, like, making it. Like, he, he just, like, wrote it just because. Mm-hmm. And he actually decided to create an album with his band, The Coop, and it's the same title, Sorry, Sorry to Bother You. 
and it also is inspired by the story. Uh, he also published the entire script as part of McSweeney's issue 48 in 2014, and McSweeney's is a non-profit publishing house that publishes novels, books, a or por bleh, that publishes novels, books, or poetry, and other um, periodicals. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, in June, there have been talks that the production of the film began, mm -hmm. uh, and that's when like they released like who was going to be in it. Yeah. And then principal photography began on June 22nd, 2017, and concluded on July 30th, the same year, mm -hmm. and it was all shot in Oakland, California. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then following the premiere at Sundance, producer Megan Ellison, who is the founder of Annapurna Pictures, which is one of the major production slash, like, developing companies for this movie uh -huh. actually gave Riley $200,000 to do reshoots and additional scenes because oh, cool. I, I, I'm assuming that he probably got notes from people like hey like it's a really good show or a really good movie but maybe like do this or do that yeah. and then that's when they did reshoots gotcha yeah, so the story starts off with uh, Cassius Green sitting across from a manager at a telecar uh, telemarketing company, which is called Regal View. It turns out that on his resume, he's lied and he's like brought a fake trophy with him in order to get this job. Uh, it kind of shows us how desperate he is to get this job because he's like lying so hard and he's using his friend uh, Salvador to kind of get this job. Yeah, he used him as, like, a reference from a fake job, job. that he worked at, yeah. but it turns out, like, no, like, hey, dude, I already know who Salvador is. Yeah, it's like, is that the guy <laughs> that is outside the window? Yeah. Yeah, um, and then we also find out that he's uh, been living with his uncle, played by Terry Crews, and he's uh, four months behind on his rent, he drives a really crappy car, he lives in his uncle's garage. Yeah. Which apparently, like, the door opens and closes unexpectedly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the manager for Regal View doesn't really care, and he's just like, yeah, you're hired, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, and, of course, uh, he's new at this job, so he's, like, really struggling to get any sales. Uh, and that's when we start getting... Uh, involved with Langston, played by Danny Glover, who's kind of like a veteran when it comes to telemarketing. Uh, he kind of teaches him how to put on a white voice uh, in order to basically succeed in uh, getting sales. And it works for him. He develops his white voice uh, and starts, you know, making sales and earning yeah. his keep. And then they, they also say, like, yeah, it's, like, a really good white voice uh -huh. compared to other, like, black people. Yeah. And, like, other black workers in the um, telemarketing company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where he also meets uh, Squeeze, uh, played by Steven Yoon. He uh, meets him there, and uh, Squeeze is trying really hard to start a union for the telemarketers. Uh, since they all work on commission, he's planning to protest... Uh, to get a union going and then Cash is like, yeah, you know what? I'm down with that. Let's let's start a union. He joins in on the protests uh, But then as soon as that starts they actually 
Uh, yeah, they basically like go to the people that they believe created the protest mm-hmm. and Cash was one of the people that they asked him to come to the manager's office and instead of firing him, they actually promoted him to power caller and that's when he basically went to like a whole different area like instead of like working i'm assuming is the basement of the building he goes all the way up to the top level suite yeah uh and then he's just basically a power caller for regal view but then he finds out from mr blank that regal view is secretly selling arms and sale slave laborers from the corporation worry free yeah that's what basically the power callers do yeah is they sell guns and slaves pretty yeah. Much. yeah and i'm assuming like the regular telemarketers like in the basement like it kind of seems they just it's almost they, like selling like encyclopedias they kind of sell whatever the slaves make i feel like yeah i know what it comes down to yeah so with this promotion at least leads to cash being able to pay off his debts he was able to give his uncle the four months of rent that he was behind, as well as maybe extra to help him keep his house. Yeah. Uh, he also bought a new car. He moves into a luxury apartment. I'm assuming it's in downtown Oakland. Yeah. And it's like a really nice, it's like almost like at the corner of the Yeah, you building. know those like million dollar apartments. Yeah, it's kind of like almost like the same design as like uh, Times Square. Yeah. With like that one building that splits the road into two. It, he, he lives in that specific corner area. Yeah. So as Cash like continues to make like more money, becoming successful, he actually thinks that he's a above his friends and his former co-workers yeah. um, because when they wanted to uh, set up another like picket line fence he was like no I'm not going to participate yeah. I'm doing really successful you guys like don't understand like you know what you're doing you know kind of be more of siding with uh, Regal View and Worry Free yeah. and so he's, he's become a company man yeah, yeah. and so from then on he's been just like walking behind the riot police as like they try to break through the picket line in order to get to uh the power caller suite yeah uh and then one day he is invited to a party with uh worry free ceo steve lift and he goes there and it's kind of like a weird because it's like when he gets there he's like the only black guy there first off well mr blank is there but he's kind of like well like even even mr blank is kind of dare like bitch yeah well i kind of seem like mr blank as like separate like he's like more of like a manager than like a worker yeah i think maybe i should have like rewarded that that he was the only like power caller worker yeah uh that was black and so when he was there he is goaded into rapping (laughs) in front of the group and also he um like would see some of the other power callers like watching the clip of like this one lady throwing a soda can at him him, yeah which causes him to have like a head injury uh almost for the rest of the um movie yeah 
And so while everyone then goes into like this whole orgy session, Mr. Blank tells uh, Cassius to go to a specific area to meet uh, Steve Lift. And while he's there, uh, Steve like says like, "Oh, like why don't you have some of this powder substance?" Yeah. And so Cash is like, "Oh, okay, like whatever," like because he thinks it's like a is that Coke? Is yeah, that he thinks it's Coke. It's Coke. Yeah. So then he takes it, uh, and then Steve's like, "Oh, I have something really great for you to like learn, but yeah. let's just watch this video." But wouldn't explain it. He's mm-hmm. like, "No, watch the video." He's like, "Just, just watch it. Just watch yeah, it. yeah." <laughs> and so Cash watches the video, and then he's as like it's starting. It's like he, he really has to go bathroom. And so he tells Steve's like, hey, I really need a pee. Can yeah. like, I go to the bathroom before we start? And then after a couple of tries, Steve is like, okay, go, go, go use the restroom. Mm-hmm. So then when he goes and tries to look for the restroom, he feels that this one person is like having a problem, like either with like diarrhea issues. Yeah, yeah. Because the guy behind the stall, which is the only stall in the restroom, yeah. like he's like, Help, like I you know, I'm like I'm really hurting but Cash thinks like, oh, like he's having diarrhea yeah. issues. So he's like, Oh, I don't know, like <laughs> I'll go to another room. It's like, No, I really need your help. Yeah. So then he Cash opens the door and then finds <laughs> this like hybrid human creature coming out human horse creature (laughs) yeah it's like a human like half human half a horse and it just like crawls out and he's like oh help me help me i'm like in so much pain and cash is like freaking out and then there's like two more that come out it's like oh you know i i'm hurting too can you please help yeah and then cash is like freaking the fuck out and then just bails out yeah already pissed his pants yeah because those things are like huge and like oh yeah you know they were like probably over six feet yeah and so Steve catches Cash as, like, he's, like, about to, like, run away. Yeah. And then Steve's like, oh, like, you know, come on, come come over, come back. Like, I'll explain everything. Yeah. And then he goes back into the video, and then the video explains that uh, Worry Free is creating this, like, hy- human hybrid uh, creature in order for to like boost sales in order to boost like work well basically they're making them like slaves right like they're like yeah making them stronger quote-unquote stronger work workhorses they're turning them into workhorses yeah it's basically like because humans can only do so much yeah in so little time and Mm -hmm. with this like i'm assuming this powder substance like it helps them like be able to work longer work you know more like be able to lift more so then it's like more productive and then increases sales for the company and and then the lady on the video which is like a claymation of like a like a homo sapien yeah or like an early like um neanderthal Uh probably um and she's like oh yeah this is what we'll do and you have this claymation of a worker coming into the room and then the lady holds out like this powder substance uh-huh. and then the the 
the employee snorts it, and then within like a few minutes, like uh, the worker turns into the hybrid. Yeah. Uh, which is which is called an e. Equisapien, like yeah, equi- equestrian sapien. Yeah. Yeah. And then the minute that Cash sees that. He starts freaking out. He's like, whoa, did you just give me that substance? Is that what I took? (laughs) Yeah, and he was, like, freaking the fuck out. And then Steve had to calm him down and say, hey, like, no, no, no. Like, it's Coke. It's, like, 100% Colombian Coke. Coke." And then Cash is like, okay, like, whatever. But then after the video and after Liv calms him down, he offers Cash a $100 million offer to become an Equisapien for five years and act as a false revolutionary figure to keep employees in line. Mm -hmm. And Cash was like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And then leaves. And I'm assuming the next day, uh, Cash discovers that he drops his phone when he encounters the three equisapiens and then that's when Detroit comes to him and is like hey look I got this like video of from your phone and it's like very strange and it's apparently like the three equisapiens like basically recording on Cash's phone and like pleading for help yeah and it it records the entire thing It, it records um the worry-free scientists or employ- other employees yeah. that come in to restrain them and then Steve Liv, like, saying something mm-hmm. to them, be like, oh, they need to be detained or locked yeah. up or something. You know, basically, like, they tape them... Uh, <laughs> tape. They take, like, a video of them basically stating all of their plans and what they're gonna do to people and what they already yeah, have done re- to people. Yeah, basically revealing like what Worry Free is gonna do. Yeah. So then Cash is like, Oh, I need to like let the people know about this. So the only way to do it is to go on this show called I Got the Shit Kicked Out of Me. Something yeah, it's like this really dystopian show that is really popular in, in this universe. Yeah, it's kinda like wipeout where the contestants are basically being embarrassed to like go through this like ordeal in order to like get money and like you have the audience just laughing like oh look they're so stupid yeah so then after getting kicked and then getting hit and all that stuff and i'm assuming getting like shit like on him like having someone throw shit on him Mm -hmm. he finally was able to uh show the video However, when people saw the video, they thought that it was, like, this, like, breakthrough of evolution. And they're like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, it was the opposite of what Cash wanted. Yeah. Uh, Instead of people thinking this is, like, ridiculous and how dare they do this. And being like, oh, you're basically, like, causing, like, you know, human slaves. Like, actual slaves, like, to form. Yeah. So, after that, Cash decides to reconsult with Detroit as well as Squeeze and Salvador Mm -hmm. to kind of do one last uh, fight back against the company. Yeah. And they they were able to uh, knock out the riot police that were trying to bring 
the power callers into the building and like cross the picket line mm-hmm. however they get knocked out by the statues that detroit had in her artwork mm-hmm. studio as well as like bringing in football players that were basically like plowing over the police and it was like doing really well but then a new batch of uh, riot police and also in riot gear mm-hmm. came in and were able to break up the union line and to yeah. break up like the whole like protest and then during that scuffle cash gets knocked out by one of them and wakes up behind i'm assuming a van one of those like vans that they gather this what like police vans yeah yeah so he's there he's like handcuffed he he doesn't know where he is and it's at night he believed that he was going to be sent to prison, but the Equisapiens that he helped break out earlier yeah. were able to like take down the police that mm. were holding him and then break open the van to let Cash out. So then after that, Cash is like, Okay, like this is this is like too much for me. I quit this like telemarketing business. I'm just gonna like try to get by again so then he gives salvador his like fancy car Mm -hmm. and then goes for more of like a sedan like you know like the ford like little mini yeah he buys himself a normal car yeah Yeah. and he you know he goes back to uh his uncle's garage Mm -hmm. and moves back in with detroit and the minute that he (laughs) closes the garage door all of a sudden, it felt like he hit his nose or something. And he was like, oh, my God, like, I'm I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And Detroit's like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. And he turns around to reveal, like, like the transformation of the... Yeah, he's, like, turning into one of the Equisapiens. Yeah. And basically, like, he's already turning. Like, he's already turning into uh, one of the hybrids. Yeah. And then... it goes into credit for like a little bit then it cuts back to steve lift in his mansion and then cash who's already transformed into an equisapien mm-hmm. um just like at the front of the gate like yelling it's like steve i'm gonna go after you yeah. fuck you and he's with his group of equisapiens mm-hmm. and they basically break down the door and then it cuts to black, black yeah yeah, I would say I found a few themes of the film. So one of the main ones was about the working class versus the affu- affluent yeah. class. So the affluent people exploit uh, the lower class who are suffering from high cost of living. And they do this by having worry-free, offer-free housing if they work countless hours for them uh so this includes like having to share bunk beds with another person which is kind of weird it's like you already are living in bunk beds but you have to share the same mattress with another person yeah so it's like four people per bunk beds yeah well uh in in that sense like it was very it's not just the working class versus the affluent it's basically trying to draw parallels between uh white people uh not just white people but slavery where it's like hey we'll take you out of where you live 
we'll put you in quarters, we'll give you food when we want to, you basically have to work for us 24-7, and, you know, you get shoved into these, like, really small spaces to live. Uh, it, it is literally slavery, and that's what, like, yeah, and what was it, happening to black people in America. Yeah, and, um... And it's also, like, reflects to the rise in cost of living, especially in areas like Oakland, because of it's right next to San Francisco, and yeah. that's, like, a huge, like, tech company boom area. Same thing here in Los Angeles, where, like, now in areas like, um, like Santa Monica, downtown LA, because there's, like, so many businesses there, then, like everything around it it's so expensive to live there because mm. like people who could afford like buying like a seven hundred thousand dollar house renovating it and then reselling it for like 1.5 million dollars yeah it causes like all the other houses to go up in terms of property taxes so then it causes like people who've probably been living there for most of their life especially like during the time where probably like it would have been affordable for like a middle class person to live there are now like having to move out because like the property tax is so high yeah like some of the signs is like in Inglewood and now in like El Segundo yeah. like you're starting to see like higher costs in rent um and then causing more ho- yeah. higher property taxes and, and you know just like with worry free uh, the company in the in the movie, uh, they start offering people. That's one of their things of like, come live in our campuses and you know, yeah. We'll so take you don't have you. to worry about paying rent or anything. And like it's that. kind of like what, um, like you were saying, like those tech companies are doing is they drive these rents up, they drive the prices of real estate up. So then you know, it, it's not too far of a stretch to think of like, okay, then they'll buy up all these places and then rent them back out to workers and then you're basically living which is actually what's happening in santa monica right now is uh you know but you have a bunch of people that work for google or for facebook uh, or any of those like big five companies amazon uh, they work for them and all of those giant apartment complexes there are owned by google amazon facebook so they're basically living in the corridors of the place that they work at and like you and i have discussed before they also have like a grocery store there they have movie theaters there they have restaurants there so you don't really have to move or you know go anywhere else there's a high school next to a middle school 20 minutes away from a college so it's basically designed to keep you there and you know keep you working for that company keep you living in their place and it basically because it is almost a form of slavery because let's say you pay two thousand dollars a month for your rent there it's a lot more higher than that but let's just say you pay two thousand a month more uh or more rent there you're paying that rent to the company you work for so essentially that company is just paying you way less than you deserve so it's kind of like yeah you get to work for us and then you pay rent but that money comes back to us it's almost like a way for them to have like tax incentives have you know make money off of giving you less money yeah that's kind of how i felt like what worry free represented was like 
that idea of even nowadays we have companies like companies and governments treating us like slaves where even uh, like me for example yeah i'm working but like we all basically just make enough to live yeah like not even comfortably we just make enough to like literally survive life yeah just to make by but never yeah. have an extra amount of money to put aside for like maybe like another yeah. house you or... can you can like never get out of that tiny area that you've been restricted to yeah that's kind of what worry-free represented for me in the movie and another thing the movie kept touching on was like oh we need unions we need unions and yeah and it's like to protect like the working class employees like yeah. preferably like the people who are not like software engineers but more of like the people who are just like you know probably like scanning for amazon yeah or like you know delivering packages for like fedex or ups yeah it's like more of like uh those types of workers where it's like yeah they're also trying to make buy but they don't have enough money to like pay health care or uh child care if they have children yeah and it's like with unions like you pay like a fee to make sure that you are protected to make sure that yes the company offers you yeah. health care for zero dollars like without you having to pay extra they're the ones that are you know mm-hmm. giving he, you health care and the the movie showed that how like kind of people are replaceable so even if you do start like try to start or picket fence or anything like that it's like yeah they'll just fire you and hire the next guy yeah and then also like they also recruit people like cash where it's like yeah. oh like come come join us yeah go tell the union wanting people that it's not that bad that they shouldn't want a union yeah yeah, yeah that's and, and they're also like kind of the carrot at the end of the stick right of like hey look cash has made it to the upper floor so uh you can too yeah like he he doesn't want a union and he made it to the next level <laughs> so can you like you don't need a union you just need to work harder and you'll get there exactly yeah um and then also like it also brings up like game shows where i feel that also exploits people trying to make extra money yeah you know especially preferably like big money like ten thousand dollars or something and some of the examples that I got from it were Wipeout, Big Brother, The Bachelor, 90 Day Fiance. Because, like, for those shows, you have the audience always, like, making fun of the people who go on these shows. They're like, oh, my yeah. God, they're so stupid. Like, why would you, like, marry someone from the Philippines? You know mm-hmm. that they're, like, taking your money. Or, you know, like, something like yeah. that. It's, it's kind of entertainment for everyone else. And for those people, it's a chance to break out of the system and either make money by, like, winning Big Brother or, you know, uh, getting famous by being on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Like, for them, it's kind of that of, like, you know, get uh, go on the show, get humiliated, whatever, but at least at, you'll come out uh, either being really successful or famous or rich. Yeah. Uh, and for everyone else that's not on the show, it's just something to pass the time with between your, like, work hours. It's, like, almost, yeah. you know? And I think, like, I believe um, Dr. Honda from Psychology in Seattle talked about this, where it's, like, people 
like watch shows like 90 Day Fiance because like they want to have like this type of feeling that oh like I'm better than I'm superior yeah, yeah. I'm superior even though you're like maybe like $500 in between like you and then the person that's yeah. on the show <laughs> yeah. you know and, and you know it's it's one of those things where the show also talked about uh, sorry the movie also talked about that where once you come out of that state of being poor you start looking down at people that yeah. are less fortunate like as soon as you become comfortable or as soon as you like you become know, successful yeah uh, not even like successful successfully like the m- least amount of like like if you're enough to like maybe like buy starbucks every day and not have to worry about yeah like, covering rent yeah yeah if you can do that then you start looking down at other people that are not like you yeah and then you're like oh well you can like you can like you know buy health care yeah it's like oh just get insurance what's wrong with that you know <laughs> It's like uh, you have enough hours. You made enough hours for your workplace. You can you can do it. Yeah, before before you know it, you turn into Paris Hilton, and you're like, oh, just stop being poor. <laughs> Why are you poor? Just stop being poor. Yeah, and it also really touches on what we define as failures and successes in in life. Because uh, for example, uh, Detroit in the movie, uh, played by uh, Tessa. Tessa Thompson. Uh, also, why t t like why have both of those sounds in the name, Tessa Thompson, Tessa Thompson? Okay, uh, I'm not her mom. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe like Tessa has like a really deep meaning for her mom. You don't know. It means nothing to me. Uh, okay, yeah. Miro, <laughs> <laughs> who is named after a a like soldier who defeats like a giant monster. Good for you. Thank you. Good for you. I do that on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of shows us, like, failure versus success, where the managers at Vigo View, t- like, flat out tell you uh, if people are, like, that they have that successfulness in them, they can make it to the next level. Like, if they really want it, uh, they have, they can do it. You know, they keep reinforcing that of, like, hey, don't be like those failures do you like those successes yeah and then they also like keep saying like oh if you stick to the script you'll become successful yeah but that's not the case in the real world yeah and it it, you know they told us that in like school too where they were like hey follow these steps fill out your resume like this take these classes and then you will get a job yeah but they don't understand that hey like Sometimes you may have to lie on your resume, or maybe you had to like put on a white voice, yeah, or maybe sound chipper than what you do. Like with me, I have a monotone accent, yeah, and so I I have like some of my friends like, oh, act chipper, and yeah. then when I do, I look like a fucking psycho. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's again those parallels to real life where like people are, you know, living in their uncle's garage because they're dying of student debt uh they can't like make enough to afford health care uh and all this other stuff you know yeah Uh, and then like you also have some people like langston who has to basically almost come out of retirement yeah that's danny glover's character yes like and it kind of seems like that is like most of the case for people who are now realizing that the social security that they always get 
are starting to not cover some of the basic stuff because yeah. of high cost of living. So then most people had to go back to work, either maybe working as at Starbucks. So it's yeah. like they should they shouldn't have to, you know. Yeah, even go the, back to work. Like like you said, and like the movie said, like even the people that did it right and like saved for their retirement and did everything correctly. Like my uh, my aunt is like that. Like not my aunt, my my mom's aunt is like that. Where she did everything correct. Like she saved up, did everything, and then now she's getting like three hundred bucks a month, <laughs> you know, from her retirement. Yeah, and it's like. that's not enough enough. (laughs) yeah it's like not enough and then it also like uh one of the main themes was about black people in society so because i started to notice with like the debut cherry character yeah because like when she was uh first introduced like she kind of was just talking to everyone's like oh you can you can secede but never really go to person to person and be like oh i want to go one-on-one with you like yeah. how how do you feel like what do you feel is your strength or something yeah because i felt that when she met cash like she didn't went one-on-one with him yeah. like it was like oh he's just part of the the group group yeah but then when he becomes successful and starts working in the power color suite especially when in that one elevator scene mm-hmm. where, where she's, she's like oh you have access or something i like know yeah. like she's like flirting with him like yeah. she's trying to get close like oh my god that's like a nice suit like touches him yeah gives like a physical contact with him yeah. and it's like oh like she she's just now starting to see him because he's become successful Successful, yeah and i don't know if that was i'm pretty sure like yeah it it was like a black and white thing but at the same time it was also like let's take her for example her uh last name is obviously debauchery right yeah but she herself like you can tell that's she makes everyone call her debauchery yeah because it doesn't sound debauch like it's not debauchery so that's kind of her white voice so even within like the white community there's also that of like oh your last name is debauchery she's like no 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 it's debauchery you know it's kind of like oh no i don't shop at target i shop at target or you know that that joke of like yeah even she probably had to pretend to be something she's not in order to get to where she is yeah but i kind of got this like subtext where she's kind of been delegated to this like secretary errand lady type of job because she's a woman so she still has to like yeah she flirt still with has a guy to, yeah. she still has to like try to be like you know she's not at the level that a guy would be so she so she, she still tries has to, to have extra heart yeah, yeah like i feel like that is like a really good point because like i think almost everyone within the the film have to kind of go over their challenges yes yeah. you know each person has their own challenges whether it is like a race thing or a gender thing maybe it's a, also a sexuality thing yeah you know maybe someone is transgender then they had to go like a larger yeah. challenge than someone who's straight and like just a you know male or female for sure yeah and it's it's like to me that should yeah like yeah the black people have to put on a white voice to become successful and the white people also need to do not not a 
they, obviously they can't do a white voice, but they have to like maybe act, m- kind act of act, act or act more superior than they are. Yeah. And also it helps that they have other races and other people to put down. So if yeah. you put down the other race, other person, you feel better about yourself. That's kind of what was happening to her, like to uh, Kate uh, Burton's character, uh, Diana Debauchery or Debbie Sherry. Uh, she, in the beginning, she starts putting down the black people because she's like, oh, look, I'm Big Dick Manager. You guys answer to me. I'm the boss here. And then once Cassius moves up that level and they become almost equals, uh, she's actually not an equal and not even an equal anymore. She's a little bit lower because she's a woman. So then she has to like flirt up or, you know, do yeah. something like that. So the the movie is actually really. It has like a lot of like really deep meanings. Like I think like watching this film more than once will allow you to like know, yeah. like see like the like details because i think it's like a really good like detailed movie Mm -hmm. because like it doesn't go in your face of like oh this is racism you know yeah and it's it's also one of those movies where you should watch at different parts in your life so i wish i had seen this movie when i was in high school i wish i had seen it when i was in college i wish i had seen it when i just graduated college i'm glad i saw it when i saw it and i'm for sure gonna look at uh like watch it again a few years from now and see how like my ideas have changed about what's going on in the movie to me it's like one of those rare movies that you should definitely watch at different stages in your life the only other movie i can think of that's like this is mary poppins the original okay yeah <laughs> I, I know it's weird it's it's my favorite disney movie and like i um watch that movie every few years because every time you watch every time i watch it i either gravitate towards a different character or if i'm still with the same character i pick up on something else that they're dealing with that i didn't when i was a kid or when i was a teenager i feel like this is the same type of movie where like when you watch it at different stages of your life you're either gonna go with different characters or you're gonna go with the same character but think differently about what they're going through for example someone watches they might really really get gravitate toward a Danny Glover's character because they're like just retired themselves and they can see that there is no light at the end of the tunnel like they're gonna have to work again soon because retirement isn't gonna cover their costs or they're like shit I didn't set myself up to be successful when I'm not to be successful to be comfortable when I'm retired yeah for me I feel that I would have liked to watch this when I was in film school and I was doing my film studies minor. I honestly feel that this is a lot better uh, in terms of talking about American culture than fucking Susan Kane. That fucking mo- I'm telling you, that fucking movie, I watched that fucking yeah. movie 15 times because of every fucking film studies well, yeah, class it's the movie no no it's the worst <laughs> i don't think it's the best movie in american it, culture no. no 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 i agree i agree <laughs> i, I agree. think it's the worst i don't think it's i think it's okay i just don't think it's the best movie in american history no it's for sure not it's just really famous because it did all of these like storytelling techniques that every movie uses i know like every movie's techniques are based off of citizen king that's why everyone watches it and everyone says oh my god what a good movie i know (laughs) but i just 
honestly, it's like, I think, like, doing all these, like, stupid, like, cinematography techniques, I mean, like, it's good for, like, maybe one or two times, but then when everyone else is doing it, it's like, okay, yeah. we fucking get it. Like, yeah, calm yeah. the fuck down. Just, like, write a good script. That's yeah. all you have to do. Yeah. Be like Reservoir Dogs, where you just need one setting, and then, like, I don't know, it's like six people. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe two people. Who cares? Yeah. Just like something to where it just focuses on the story and then like you kind of understand like the themes of it. Yeah. Like this film. I feel like that this is a really good film in terms of the American culture because it brings up a lot of like challenges like each person has to deal with especially in American society. Oh yeah. yeah. And also in the capitalist society. I think if this was shot in like I don't know Amsterdam or like Russia. Berlin. Yeah, oh, where well those are capitalists. Like yeah, but like they're kind of different. Where I feel that it's not as predatory there as it yes. is here. Yeah, like I feel like it probably would have a different experience. Yeah, and you know this movie would definitely be banned in like China. Oh yeah, it would be banned in. Because like it talks, it talks about protests. It talks yeah. about like, oh, we need Workers to fight rights. back. Yeah. And you know they already have the Hong Kong protests, yeah. and they don't want to yeah. <laughs> influence. And more. soon there's not going to be a Hong Kong. So. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, let's uh, kind of give a quick rundown of each character. We kind of went through the movie and what it's really about. Um, so we just kind of want to, you know, go through what each character was like when we were watching the the movie yeah uh so let's start up with cassius cash green um obviously he's the main character of the movie just from his like mannerisms and the way he carries himself you can tell that he's kind of down on his luck and he's not really like a motivated guy he's just kind of like down you know he's just on a downward slope in his life yeah yeah. I give the actor Lakeith uh, Stanfield a lot of credit because he didn't have to act too hard. Because if you've ever seen him, he's kind of already there. Like his mannerisms and the way he like talks and everything in real life are like that too. So he did a really good job, I think, in, in acting. Yeah, I feel that um, like Cash is great. Like you could see his like transition from the beginning to the end because in the beginning he's kind of like slumping slouching he's like kind of like just like looking down on the floor doesn't give a lot of eye contact to people yeah it's a little bit shy a little bit timid um so it's like you could kind of see like he's just trying to like do this job because like it's like the last thing he could do uh because he probably um worked on worked at like other companies or other jobs and it didn't go well so then he's like yeah i'm not really good at like talking to people but i hope that this telemarketing just allows me to like make sales so then i could like pay rent and such and as like he becomes successful you could kind of see him like staying up straight he's like you know kind of you know taking over like the scene like he he's like yeah like i'm you know i am a person i am a strong person like you can kind of see his like persona yeah a lot different uh and then like towards the end he realizes that oh we need to fight back we need to stand up for ourselves so it's like that whole transition was really good and i really did like lakeith 
Like, I also liked him in Get Out, even though, like, he was only in it for, like, maybe ten minutes. But he did a good job. Yeah. And I think I also seen him in a couple of shows and movies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I know he's always in, like, something, and he does, like, a really good performance. So I really hope that he continues yeah. um, doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's go to Detroit, who is played by Tessa Thompson. Uh-huh. Uh, she is Cash's girlfriend. And so she's also an artist. I would say she's like a neo, like a neo-modern, uh, po- like more like a neo-post-modernism like artist, mm-hmm. where it's like very weird, very abstract. Yeah. And then it has like a really deep meaning, because I know that in her art show... Yeah. Um, she kind of uh, has, like, these uh, murals of, like, Africa, the African content. And, yep. like, each African content is, like, made of different materials. Mm-hmm. And then for her, uh, I would say for her performance art, uh, she basically was uh, stripped down almost naked to only having, like, maybe a bathing suit that is, like basically like these hands covering her private parts so her boobs and her nether regions and asked everyone to um, throw cell phones or these balloons or our goat's blood mm-hmm. and to throw at her as she recites the uh, the famous like quote from enter the dragon or the last dragon uh-huh. Uh, and so as she's reciting, people are, like, throwing cell phones, throwing balloons at her. And she gets hurt, like, a little bit, but she continues, like, going forward. And so I feel like that she's very, like, really, like, outgoing, like, kind of doesn't care about what other people think yeah. about her. Because she also has, like, really great earring designs that she makes by herself. And it's, like, each earring she wears, it's, like, always different. Yeah. You know, you, you're saying all these, like, positive things about her, and I'm like, yeah, she was kind of my least favorite character in the movie. Well, maybe it's because, like, I'm technically an artist, so it's, like, I could kind of relate to what she she is doing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I kind of see this as a positive. And then you're, like, an IT guy, so... I was just like, oh my god, she's so annoying with her ugly-ass earrings, like... Oh, really? I was like, ugh, what is this art thing? Like, why are people throwing stuff at you? How is this art? Well... Like, it was just like, get out of here, hippie, like, (laughs) go on, get, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Go get a real job or something. Oh, god. I was just like, ugh, this is so annoying. Yeah, I did not like her. I did not like her character. Which is which sucks because I like Tessa Thompson and other stuff. Um, oh yeah, she's a she's a great actress. But um, yeah, I did not like the character. I was just like, okay, yeah, scene with her. I don't care. Move on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. What about Salvador, who is Cash's friend? He was funny a couple times. Is he there to do anything else? No, I mean I kind of feel that he's just like the side character you know like almost a sidekick yeah but i really feel that he's like a really good friend because he you know he helps like cash you know try to get a job job yeah and you know he's like oh just lie on your resume or yeah. like bring this or do this yeah he's he's kind of that like normal good guy you know he's just like good friend 
I did remember that there was that funny, like, scene where Cash is like, no, I don't want to, like, help you guys out. And then, like, him and Salvador have, like, this, like, like, kind of, like, scuffle yeah where it's like oh like oh you're trying to be a good good guy you're trying yeah. to be a, like you know better man uh-huh. it's like yeah i'm trying to be a better man it's like oh what's that smell what's that smell it's like oh it's i, I don't know like old spice yeah. oh it's old spice it's old spice is it original <laughs> <laughs> just like that whole yeah. scuffle was pretty funny yeah like, <laughs> you can tell he's like a good guy because he's like telling his friend like hey you're being an asshole without yeah. actually telling him hey you're being an asshole yeah um he was cool like good side character in the movie yeah and then next up we have mr blank uh he was cassius's manager at the uh power caller suite i would say that he's a very mysterious guy yeah it's like he doesn't like we can't see or hear what his name is yeah because they're like oh my name is mr blank and and then cash like calls him mr blank and then the guy was like, no, don't call me Mr. Blank. That's my father's name. Call me this. And it's, again, Blank. Yeah. So it's like, we don't know. We don't know who, what his name is, yeah. And then he, and al- he always talks in his white voice, right? Yeah, because yeah. he explained that when you're at the power color suite, to always have your white voice on. Yeah. No matter what, he still has his white voice on. Yeah. And I also kind of find him, like, a bit, like also mysterious in terms of like his eye patch and then like his like beard yeah his he had really cool facial hair <laughs> where it's like it's like mutton chops that come to your mustache almost yeah it's like um it's like it's connected to it without like having mm, any... the beard part yeah yeah it was really cool yeah and you know of course we had like a really small side part with terry cruz being cassius's uncle I mean, he wasn't in the movie too much. It was just, you know, he, like they didn't give him anything funny or anything. It was just like, oh, there's. Well, I mean, he does have like that like funny quote where Cash is like, "Oh, you guys are just like out to, you know, yeah, he's rip like, off. Oh, you're trying to live off of us struggling yeah. or whatever." He's like, "Dude, you're I'm your uncle. I'm yeah, he's struggling like, to pay." He's like, "Cash is my fucking uncle." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you uh, landlords always trying to suck the blood of the people, blah, blah, blah. is, I'm your fucking uncle. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that he is also, like, someone in the system that is also struggling. Like, yeah. yes, he does have a house, but he is, like, struggling to afford payments. Yeah, yeah. Which comes back to what we were talking about, about, like, companies re- uh, raising the prices of you know real estate everywhere they go yeah yeah and you know we then we had donald glover who was like kind of like a uh warning to everyone of like hey uh think about when you're gonna retire because you won't be able to work forever oh yeah. yeah yeah i kind of like he is also like maybe like a veteran in terms of like how black people black especially black men have Mm -hmm. to act in society how Mm -hmm. for him he always has to put on his white voice whenever he's calling people because if he says like hi this is langston in his regular voice like people are like oh he's black and then like hang up yeah um and then so he like i don't know if he also has to change his name you know or it's like oh this is lance from regal view yeah you know i don't know if he langston is a pretty white name yeah but 
I don't know. Yeah. Some like some particular people may like be like, oh no, this is a black guy. Or, yeah. I don't yeah, know. But, yeah. Um, you know, and then we had Squeeze, uh, Stephen Yoon, the guy from Walking Dead. He, you know, didn't do much. Well, like I... he did, he was that whole. He was involved the whole. Uh, Kinda, union subplot. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of Rob Lieberman from, uh, what's that one, like, Union, um, <laughs> I totally forgot. It's a Sally Field, Ron Lieberman, um, movie. It was about, like, how he is, like, a union worker who is, or, like, a union representative who is trying to make each textile company to have a union, and oh Norma Ray, that's what the the uh movie is. So like in Norma Ray, yeah. uh Ron is basically this guy who goes to almost every textile company he can find and then he like tries to influence people to create a union. Yeah. And I kinda of feel like that uh Squeeze is almost like that where he's like trying to make almost every company have a union. Yeah. And I feel like he's, like, really, really good at trying to make a change. And then I also feel that he has kind of a crush on Detroit in some yeah. way. Because, like, throughout... Don't they, like, make out? I I don't think so. I think they might have had, like, a thing when uh, Cash and her were kind of... Kind of broke up or something. Uh... So I don't know. But it's yeah. like, I, I could tell, like, that he really liked her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was, like, kind of, like, always... Like, he kind of reminded me of, like, that. Like, the good guys, you yeah, have a crush on someone, so they help them out. But then, like, that that girl moves on to, like, back to her, like, you know, run-of-the-mill boyfriend. Being like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, yeah, I know he drinks. And, like, yeah, I don't like that. But, like, I still love him. And then he's over here, like, oh, but I, I really love you. I want to, like, you yeah. know, treat you well. I want to treat you right or yeah. something. It's not like that Cash, like, is, like, abusing Detroit. Yeah. I'm probably, like, thinking, like, he... He, he turned into someone she couldn't like anymore when... Um... Yeah, she couldn't relate to. Yeah, she couldn't relate to him because he changed when he became successful, or when he became rich. So he, uh, she was like, "Oh, I don't relate to you anymore. You're not relatable." Yeah, yeah, like I don't understand like how you feel or like how, like what you want now. Yeah. Because like you're on like a whole new level, but then with like Squeeze, like he's still like, "Oh yeah, I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to make ends meet." So I think that's kind of, like, where Detroit kind of sees, like, a ground level with him. Yeah. So then let's move on to Steve Lift, who is the CEO of Warfree, and is played by Army Hammer. Yeah, which is, like, such a weird name. Army Hammer? Come on. Wait, did... I wonder if, like, his parents loved Arm and Hammer. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's just such a weird name. It's, it's kind of funny, but yeah, um, I think he played the character well. You know, kind of. I'd never seen this actor before anywhere else. Oh, he was in um, the Social Network as the twins. Oh, I didn't see that either. I've never. I seen I thought this you one. loved Social Network. No. God damn it, Meru. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, uh, he did a good job playing the asshole. 
Well, I would say, like, he's, like, probably, like, a tone-deaf person, like, where he probably has become so successful that, like, he doesn't understand, like, what he's doing is basically slavery, like, modernized slavery. I also feel that, like, he also doesn't understand, like, what he's doing with his experiment. Like, when Cash is like, no, like, this is, like, this is not good. And then, like... Steve is like, no, you'll have, like, a huge cock. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's more focused on that than, like, understanding that you're literally changing the person's features yep. and making them into almost, like, a creature. Yeah. And, and he didn't... Yeah, and he, you know. he didn't understand that. Uh, let's go to Diana... David Cherry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say she was probably one of the more interesting characters in the movie. Again, just because as I was watching it, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is, like, she's trying to, you know, make her way. She's just trying to survive as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I also felt like from the amount of time, like, the little amount of time that she had that the actress, like, did a really good job yeah. at, like, you know, putting her character on the spotlight and mm-hmm. to, you know, put it into people's minds. Like, oh, yeah, like, she she, she did a really good job. Yeah, I, I agree with you that, like, she also is, like, trying to get by and trying to, like, move up in ranks. And, yeah, I kind of feel, I kind of feel for her. Yeah. Like, she kind of reminds me of, like, the stupid, like, district manager from the starbucks i worked at Mm -hmm. where she also like kind of had like this like very white voice yeah but it's like i don't know if like that lady elevated her voice to be like to sound more like a white girl because like she's a the lady was blonde hair and blue eyes so i was like oh so she's like trying to go over the top in terms of that like voice and Mm -hmm. so she kind of reminds me of her where everything like we tell her is like oh well we don't feel like the manager is respecting this like she kind of just tries to like work around that but then doesn't really help us it kind of feels like that where diana is like oh like you know just keep just keep you know doing your best keep practicing and you'll get there but never really like help each person one-on-one Mm-hmm. Until they become a power caller. Yeah. And then that's when she has the time to go one-on-one. Yeah. That's when she's like, okay, they're going to be successful, so I'm going to jump on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you also found some fun facts about the movie that, I mean, I didn't get the first time we were watching it, uh, that actually the first Equisapien uh, that uh, Cash meets is played by Forrest Whitaker. You know, of course, Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. Forrest Whitaker is know, in every so movie. I was so shocked. I was so shocked in that. I was <laughs> like, "Whoa, what? The, what?" <laughs> he is in every movie now. If the movie has one black character, there's gonna be another black character well, in it. I that's gonna say, be Forrest Whitaker. I would say that he is one of the many black, famous black actors that always has to be in it. So it's like him, Samuel L. Jackson, Lawrence yeah. Fishburne. Like, I feel like those are, like, there's always one of them in a movie. Yeah, and, you know, it's really funny, as we're talking about this, I'm starting to think Judy Dench is turning into that role, too. Oh, where it's, like, every old she's lady in she's every in. every movie, yeah, she was in, like, Cats, she was in, uh, freaking, 
Uh, oh, yeah, she was in Artemis Fowl. Fowl. Yeah, I think she's going to be that now, where she's going to be in every single movie. Hey, you know, like, she's got she's got to make those payments. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure she has way enough money to make her payments. I'm pretty sure she's just, like, setting up her, uh, her kids, you know, for life. Yeah, but I think, like, her kids already have their kids. Yeah. So maybe it's the grandkids. So, maybe you know, it's the grandkids. It's really funny. I'm, like, looking at her filmography... And she did three things in 2017, right? Three things in 2018. Uh-huh. Only one thing in 2019, uh, which was Cats. And in 2020, so far, she's done four things. So she's done more things in the last six months than she's done in the last two years. So yeah, I think she's on that like train of uh, you know being that actress that's in everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't mind. I don't care. And then I also found out that Rosario Dawson plays the voice of the power caller elevator. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm sorry to say this, but I honestly thought it was a white lady. <laughs> like, I literally... Because it was probably Rosario Dawson doing her white lady voice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe yeah. that was what... And, and, you know, I totally, like, do see black people actually having a white voice. Oh, yeah. Like, I went to uh, a high school that was predominantly white. Uh, there were, like, n- less than three black kids in the entire high school. And they talked like white people talk, except, you know, when they weren't talking to white people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they were talking to, like, Mexican dudes or, like, the other black guy in the, in the <laughs> high school or anything, they would talk different. But as soon as it's, like, a white guy, they would start talking like white people. Yeah. So I could see where he got that idea of putting on your white voice. I'm sure people do that in work, like, in, uh, in the work environment as well. I mean, I think so. Uh, I mean, one of my friends, her name is Nzinga. Yeah. Like, she's always like, like she. Well, first she tackles me. Yeah. Remember that one date where she that tackled date, the date where we watched this movie. No, it was the um, the spy who dumped me. That was the movie that we huh. watched. And then when we were coming out of the theater, she jumped me. Oh <laughs> wow! I got. I mean, I wasn't scared. Like, because I was like, okay, like, it's probably, like, just someone that I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out to be my friend and Zinka. I was like, okay, yeah, no, yeah. I figured. <laughs> but, yeah, like, she's, like, I don't know when she uh, works at her job if she has to put on a white voice. I know that one of my clients uh, usually puts on a white voice sometimes when she's on a phone call. Yeah. But then when she's, like, with me, it's, like, she kind of just talks normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just, yeah. like, hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, that was kind of our review slash breakdown of the movie. Um, we hope everyone uh, enjoyed listening to the two of you that are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the two people who are here, Roberto and then whoever is out there They're, in the wilderness. Yeah. Thank you for coming back. Uh we're really sorry about last week. Like we were <laughs> We were going, having technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, we were having technical difficulties and just like scheduling and 
Yeah. Everything was like hitting the fans. Like it was a mess. Yeah. But we got it. We're really sorry. We hope you come back. Don't like ban us. Don't like, you know, go yeah. into this whole like, oh, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, we hope everyone's having a good time in quarantine if you're still in quarantine. Yeah. Uh, hope everyone had a good 4th of July weekend because we'll probably post this after that. Uh, hope everyone was safe, uh, didn't get the Rona. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, I have allergies, so I'm, like, stuffing, like, tissues up my nose, and then I had to take it out, because I may sound nasal. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thank you for, uh, listening. Um, maybe, if you had time, review us on Apple Podcasts. Like, share, subscribe. Yeah. Hello, everyone, welcome to another, no. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, tell your friends, make them tell other friends, uh, you know, tell your parents. I know my parents don't listen, but they support me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye.